Welcome to the Real Estate Masters Podcast, a podcast with top real estate agents sharing insights of how they've grown their business. Every guest is unique and serves different markets, so you will find value in each and every episode. And now our host, executive coach, April Mack. Thank you so much for joining me for our very first episode of Real Estate Masters. I am so excited just to have this out and for this information to get into your hands, into your ears. The purpose of our podcast is for real estate agents to hear from some of the very best top agents around the country so that you can grow your business and achieve all of the success that you desire. I believe there really is truly something for everyone, whether you're a seasoned agent or you're just getting started. And real quick, I'll share just a little bit about me. I was a real estate broker, owner of my own company, a major real estate franchise. And one of the most valuable tools for me was listening to recorded interviews of top agents. I learned more from that than any seminar that I ever went to. And now I'm an executive coach and I also host mastermind groups for realtors and small business owners. At the end of the podcast, you can hear a little bit more about that. You can find out more about me on coachaprilmack.com. I am so honored to have as my very first guest, Mike Morrill and Fayaz Desaji. They are known as Carolina's Dream Team. They work the Charlotte, North Carolina market. They're licensed in North Carolina and South Carolina. They're with Keller Williams. Mike is a veteran and Fayaz was a government contractor. They brought those skills into their real estate career and they're going to share a whole lot more about that with you in the podcast. And Mike and Fayaz are going to share how they teamed up and now they have a team of 15 agents. An incredible success story, but yet they've stayed so humble. I love their hearts. They're one of the top real estate teams in the market and I had the best time with them. So we're going to get right to it. So Mike and Fayaz, it is so great to have you today. Welcome. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having us, April. Glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah. So tell me, one of you tell me where you guys are and kind of what the market's like there. And and then we want to hear how you became a team. Sure. We are, we're physically located in uh, Fort Mill, South Carolina, which is just outside of uh, Charlotte, right across the North Carolina border. And uh, we are in a very, very active market. Some would still definitely be considered a seller's market. But I'll tell you what, we've got buyers from around the country moving to the Carolinas and specifically the greater Charlotte area. So we've got a busy market here. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy just talking to realtors across the country and hearing how hot things are right now. It is really unbelievable. And and I think it kind of creates new challenges in a way in real estate. So guys, how long have you been in real estate? Tell us a little bit about your personal lives and, and how you guys got together working together. Sure. So I have been in real estate since 2008. Got into it about a month before the last real estate crash. Um, so, so it's a great timing. And I was in new home sales until 2014. At that point, I jumped out and went into general brokerage in Charlotte. Joined Keller Williams and I was an individual agent for about four years before Fayaz and I teamed up in January of 2018 and started Carolina's Dream Team. Yeah. And so is it truly the dream team? It is. Absolutely. It is. Heck yeah. <laughs> I have been in real estate since, uh, it's almost exactly five years. June 2015 is uh, when I started and I had just moved to Charlotte. I was overseas. I was working as a defense contractor on a military base in Germany. And uh, that was my career. So I kind of jumped, took a leap of faith and got into real estate. Didn't know anything about it. 
And I've been with Keller Williams uh, since that time, throughout that time. And as Mike's mentioned, we've been together as Carolina's Dream Team since January 2018. So what was the reason that you guys kind of came together? How did that happen? Yeah. So when we first met, it was at a career night and and I had been a little bit more established as an agent and Faz and I met at that career fair and connected on prior military. I was in the Marine Corps in intelligence for four years and he was coming directly from being a government contractor in intelligence. So we had that connection. I was actually Faz's mentor for about a year when he first got into the business. And then in 2017, we were at Family Reunion, the, the big real estate convention. And the talk of the times was we're heading for a shift. Real estate has been good since 2008 to 2012 when things crashed a little bit. And they said, prepare yourself to get ready for a shift. So Faz and I were staying together at Family Reunion. And just talking about our businesses and realized that both of our businesses came from very different places. He had built his business as a brand new agent in the area by building networking groups, by networking with other businesses, and just very organically built relationships with people and started this networking group and you know, just had his, his nose of the grindstone building a business. My business came from my previous experience in new home sales. So I had a lot of past clients that I was drawing from, and we just thought, if things are going to shift, if things are going to take a hit, would we be better positioned if we were together? So we had his lower price point and more organic business-to-business referrals, and my little bit higher price point and more past clients and sphere. We thought that if things went bad, we'd be in a better position to be able to take it on and get through it. So that's very interesting. And that's been how long that you two worked together like that? January 2018. Yeah, two and a half years exactly. Okay. So, and the the benefits of working together would be, I mean, if, if you, you know, you were talking to another person that's thinking about working, partnering with someone, I mean, what would be the benefits? Well, you know, the benefits are, are significant, but, you know, whenever you talk to someone about a partnership, I think you are always faced with the cons, right? First, you know, we felt like, okay, it's divide and conquer. You know, he has expertise. He has a lot more experience. Uh, He brings a, a totally different price point. So we were all about protecting each other individually, but then growing faster by bringing in our differences in our business and then kind of picking and choosing the best practices that were working well. So I was really focused. My vision was to grow a big business and I didn't know how to go about doing that. So other than just kind of like bull in the china shop, Mike is a great compliment to that. So we're, we're kind of like yin and yang for each other. His weaknesses are my strengths and my weaknesses are his strengths. So we're able to kind of cover a lot more ground on our business. Some of the cons I would say are, you know, uh, obviously financial cons. Uh, You're obviously sharing now some more of the revenue and profits. And then sometimes it can be a personality butting of heads. I will say truthfully, Mike and I don't have that. So that's a huge, huge benefit for us. In some partnerships, that's certainly uh, a challenge. Wow. And it it really is amazing when you have two people that work well together and that do complement each other's strengths and weaknesses, then it can be a beautiful partnership. And it sounds like you guys have that. And that's amazing. Do you have other people on your team? 
Yeah, we actually have a, a fairly sizable team now. I mean, when we started in January 2018, it was myself, Mike. He had an administrative assistant who became our director of operations, and she's still our director of operations. And then my administrative assistant became our uh, first buyer's agent. So we started off at four. And as of today, we are with 15 people. Wow. Right. And that runs the gambit. So we've got buyer's agents on our team. We've got a list, another listing agent on our team. We've got inside sales agents. We've got transaction coordinators. We've got marketing coordinator. We got virtual assistants. So we're building a pretty big foundation for long-term growth. Right. Do you feel like because of this shift and, and all of this staffing, now you really are running a company. So does that change how much you're actually buying or, or working with buyers and sellers? Is that still your main focus or are you now so busy managing all these people in this company? How do you balance that and what does that look like? So it's interesting. We're actually both still working with buyers and sellers. And when all of this hit, when all of a sudden we were faced with being quarantined, everybody was kind of freaking out. And that's when we really had to step up and, and lead by example. So so more than we had in the previous year, Faz and I really got out there and just tried to get a bunch of business. We, we tried to get some buyers under contract, tried to get some listings just to demonstrate to our team that this is not the time to slow down and stay home like most of the other realtors are doing at this time. This, this is our time to redouble our efforts, really kick it into gear and, and try and take market share. So, so yes, we're still buying and selling, but not nearly as much as we were unless we feel like we need to. Yeah. You concur, Fayaz? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we're still very busy. We, we probably work more on the business than we are in the business. And our role right now is to empower our people to provide the best financial base for them to succeed. And then not only are we constantly tweaking our systems and processes and making sure that they're running well, we're also adding on to that. So as we build out more, hey, what's going to be scalable? What's going to work well? Uh, so we try to stress test our systems. And that's why, in my opinion, as the way our mind works, our minds work, that's why through COVID, we were more stable. And in fact, we actually grew during COVID because we always are stress testing things. And how do you do that? I mean, how do you feel like you're, you say you're stre always stress testing things? What are, what does that look like? Yeah, I think, I think like, uh, for example, okay, if you're going to implement a system in a business of our size, you can't just, you know, we're a larger ship at this point. You got to move the rudder a little bit slower. So we might piecemeal it. So for example, let's say you have a home inspector and you want to try that vendor out in your company. Well, and make sure that they provide excellent service to your clients. Okay, we'll, we'll provide them a little bit of business, you know, and let's see how it goes. We'll get feedback from our agents who are on the ground working this. And then if they like what they see, then we'll ramp it up. You know, so that's one example of how we do that. It's we kind of do a piecemeal, but then when we go, we go full bore. Mm, yeah. And then that home inspector loves you because you're sending him lots <clears throat> of business, I'm sure. Well, it's also about expectation building too, right? For those people that work with our team and that work with our clients, they know that there's a potential big book of business that they could have access to. So we ensure that, look, to have access to our clients, you have to provide excellent service. Otherwise, it's a, it's a stain on our brand. Right. Heavily vetting those those people that you're potentially giving business to. Absolutely. That's great. Yeah. So 
I want to get into how you market yourselves and all this, but I mean, you guys have built this unbelievable business. I mean, you know, I haven't really even talked to you about what awards or where you stand in the market. I mean, feel free to, you know, pipe your own horn right here, but how are you balancing this company that you're leading that's really grown to this point in a short amount of time and then balancing real life, you know, family, your personal life, your hobbies. I mean, what does that look like? Yeah, balance is tough, but I got to give to the first part of your question. I got to give credit to Mike. The whole Carolina's dream team, the whole kind of logo, the color scheme, all that. I mean, he had such a huge part in creating, building that. And I'll be honest, I think for us going from Team Morel to Desaji Group, which is what our company names were prior to, and then quickly transitioning to Carolina's Dream Team, we built a brand very quickly locally because of the work that he did up front. You know, it was a Mm -hmm. general name, but something that resonated. Mike, talk a little bit about that. You know, like what your thought process was on the Dream Team component. Sure, sure. We're we're just trying to find something very relatable, trying to find something that people could easily remember. And if you remember, the Dream Team was from the Olympics. I don't Mm -hmm. know, even know what year, back in like 88 or something. Yeah, 94, 94, 94. Yeah, so I'm old. But the Dream Team thing, you know, Michael Jordan played at UNC. So so that's very much part of, of every day. You know, everybody has heard of the Dream Team before. And shockingly, nobody owned the website or had that name. So so we just decided wow. to, to go with, you know, Carolina Colors, because we're representing both North and South Carolina, tag on to that Dream Team thing, and the branding worked. Just turns out that, that people loved it, people had fun with it, and the name took off. I love it. That's just amazing. I mean, it's incredible. And, and a name is... I mean, it's just golden. I mean, you've got to have the right name and I love it. I think that's awesome. Yeah. You know, one of the things is my name is an unusual one. So that doesn't really just flow off people's tongues, you know, very easily. But we have clients, both past clients and even future clients. They don't even remember Carolina's Dream Team. They're just like, oh, I want the Dream Team to sell my home. Right. So it just becomes this like very generic thing. But then everyone still knows who that is around here. It's like the dream team. And, you know, we were a little bit afraid that it might come across a little pretentious, but people actually, our clients have fun with it. They're like, y'all are the dream team. And we're like, okay, cool. <laughs> and, and the other part of that is it's really, really easy for our agents and our team members to grab hold of that and, and make it their own. You know, if, if we're team Morel or we're the Desaji group, you're never going to forget that, listen, it's it's Faz that, that owns this company. Whereas I think with something like Carolina's dream team, everybody else can own that name and and feel like it represents them and not represents the people they're working for. You feel like that's really important with your whole team. I mean, because you say that and I can see the value in that. And I mean, how do you feel like you saw that evolve with your team and them owning that? Yeah. So our our identity is very much a, a combination of all the members of our team. And especially in the beginning, you know, we had to decide what's our culture going to be? What Who are the clients that we're going to go after? And, you know, I think that your clients tend to be like you. So we worked hard to, to put out this image of who we are. That's a team who works really, really hard, but we also love to have fun. We don't take ourselves too seriously. And I just think that 
by creating that culture and incorporating everybody else when deciding which events are we going to do and where are we going to spend our promotional money and how are we going to show our clients that we appreciate them. I think having everybody's input into that and not just telling them what we're going to do has helped to create that culture around this is this is all of us. This is not Mike and Fayas. So shift a little and tell me, how do you do that? What does customer appreciation look like? How are you marketing? What, what are some of those very specifics? Yeah, our biggest event is a client appreciation event that Mike and I individually would have wanted to do, but we just didn't have the resources nor the time to be able to do that. And as soon as that was kind of like the launch of Carolina's Dream Team in January. So we actually brought all of our past clients into one room, invited them to a you know wonderful party with great food and, uh, you know, events for the kids. And that's how we launched Carolina's Dream Team in front of 250 clients, right? And uh, we've continued to do that every year. Like, for example, this past year, we did it at a bowling alley with uh, free, you know, all kinds of food and vendors are associated. So that's one of our biggest events. Staying in touch with our clients is super, super important. Recently, during COVID, we haven't been able to do in-person events. So we're doing a lot of giveaways for our clients. So for example, we did a Yeti cooler, we did, you know, other things. So it keeps them in touch with us at all times. And I've actually had clients tell me I'm looking forward to your client appreciation event because it's well done. And also in our community events, Mike is a veteran. You know, for example, we've done uh, breakfast sponsorships for veterans at some of the local elementary schools. Uh, we have clients who have children with some uh, potential disabilities. And so we sponsor 5Ks. So our community engagement, whether you're a client or whether you're just a member of the community, you're going to see us out there getting involved very regularly. Hmm. And I to, love that. to tag onto that, the, the other thing that we've done is we've recognized what we're good at and we've hired other people that are better at the things that we're not especially good at. So for example, we have an incredible marketing person, our marketing and outreach coordinator that, you know, previously worked for sort of major brands like GMC and Manwich and, you know, it's just a serious marketing person. And I'm not aware of too many other real estate companies that employ a marketing professional full time. But that has allowed us to really just focus on our clients and let her take care of some of the outreach stuff and brand building, brand building stuff and, you know, to head in that direction. So what does some of that look like, that marketing? Well, for example, well, some of the events that we talked about, we, we certainly do that. OK, we were doing we have like private pages for our clients where they can engage with us on a daily basis, whether they need us or not. You know, a lot of questions are being asked to us all the time. We also have community farming events that we do. Uh, we have past clients involved in that who are then invited to bring along anyone else. So and a, a number of different things like that, that are usually repetitive. We usually, uh, we have about a 36 touch program. We also engage with them through obviously picking up the phone, having just regular discussions during COVID, for example, we just made simple phone calls to our clients to be like, Hey, how are you doing? And is there anything that we can do to help you and your family? These are completely unrelated, real, not real estate related questions. These are, Hey, we care about you because you're a member of our family and we just mm -hmm. want to make sure that you're okay. And if they needed everything. So for example, we have one of our clients, she's recovering from, uh, from, uh, from cancer treatment. 
and she's actually a neighbor of mine and Mike's past client. She needed some, uh, I was at Walmart one day and she needed some zebra Twinkie rolls. Hey man, I picked up two boxes and I hand delivered some Twinkie rolls to her, you know? And she was happy as a clown. I mean, I was like, heck yeah. It's like, here you go. Here's some Twinkies for you during COVID. So you don't have to go out to Walmart and get your fix for the day. Or even, yeah. even like in the last couple of months, we went and we put out flags in a neighborhood for Memorial Day. So we spent a few hours and the whole team went with 800 flags and we put one in front of everybody's yard in the neighborhood. Or we do the, uh, we're in York County, South Carolina, and we do the York County Adopt a Roads program. So we all go out once a quarter and there are three roads that we've adopted and we go walk them and pick up all the trash. So just community involvement, but then our marketing specialist is able to capture those things and, and get them out in front of our clients so that not only do we know that we're, we're doing something good, but they know as well. I love the fact that you're not just marketing yourselves for your own benefit, but you are giving back to your community that obviously believes in you and has awarded you with their trust and their business. And you're taking some of that and giving back to your community. And I love it. I think it's it's just awesome that, you know, that you're in a place that you can do that. It's really cool. I, um, you know, the, our philosophy and in, in some of this and, and outlook on real estate is, I personally never got into real estate for the money. I'm an entrepreneur by heart. I wanted to build a business. Mike is about one of the kindest people that you ever meet. And he has a very giving heart. We don't think about the money. Okay. We don't look at these relationships as transactional. We look at our relationships as exactly that relationship. So Mm. we just do, we, we come from contribution all the time, whether it's, you know, Again, through a transaction or through physically doing things or through monetarily doing things or just through effort. And then we just feel philosophically the business will come. Yes, I believe that. And, you know, it goes back to, you know, you enjoy the work that you do. And I am an executive coach. I coach uh, some real estate agents. It was the the reason for me starting this podcast, because when I was in real estate at the first part of my life, I got a license when I was 18 years old and I got cassette tapes in the mail of interviews that were done with real estate agents all around the country. And that was better than any seminar or conference that I ever went to. I heard different personalities. I heard how people worked. I was inspired. I was encouraged. And when I was discouraged, I could put one of those cassette tapes. There was always one in my car and I was just, I'd rotate them around and listen to them. And, and that's how I, that's what grew me as a real estate agent. And so now I was coaching an agent and I said, she's newer to the business. I said, there has to be something like that out there. Let me look for a podcast. And I couldn't find one. Granted, there are some real estate podcasts that do interview some agents, but that's not the entire content. And and the content of this podcast is that all I do is interview agents around the country. And I don't do it for money. I do it because I really love it. And of course, you have to make money to pay your bills. But it's amazing when people do what they love. And and then the, the money is a bonus. And I really believe that. And it's fun to, like you said, Fayaz, it's, it's just fun to grow a business. And I, I love being a part of that. Tell me some things. I mean, I, I think you've already hit on some of it, but have anything particularly you would say just sets you apart from the other agents in your area? Yeah. I mean, I, I would say that the biggest thing that sets us apart is just our work ethic and, and our willingness to always do the right thing. I'd say that, you know, I, I, I teach some classes at, at the market center and, and I joke kind of that if you're 
answering your phone and responding to texts and responding to emails, you're like top 20% of all realtors in the country. <laughs> Get and, the truth. And, and really just doing our jobs, taking this seriously and, and going in and, and lead generating every day and, and just doing the things that we're supposed to do is, I think, what makes us stand out from our competition. Yeah, I'd like to add a little bit more to that in the sense that I think, you know, we really focus on a, a concierge level service. I tell other agents who are, or people who are thinking about referring business to us that once you refer someone to the CDT family, again, it's not transactional. It doesn't end at the closing table, right? We want to continue to be a member, uh, a part of their lives throughout uh, afterwards as well. So again, that kind of service, I think, creates a, a, a loyalty to us and to our brand. I also think we have some really highly educated and competent agents on our team. We are a very learning-based team, so we're always educating ourselves. We have a ton of experience on our team as well. So we have agents who are able to, in my opinion, troubleshoot and do a lot of things for their clients that go over and beyond. I mean, they've seen a lot of things out there. So protecting and providing fiduciary duty to our clients, we feel is one of our most uh, positive benefits to being associated with us. And I'll give you a, a couple examples just from the, the past week. You know, we have one client who bought a home with us two years ago that now uh, the husband is, is having difficulty with the stairs and asked me if I could help with that. So, so we're working on getting an elevator installed in his house. So I reached out to the, to the contractor that I know that can do that and made the appointment for, to go meet with them over at the house just to, just to help them to understand because they're a little bit older. This is a big transaction and, and they're not super trusting. So just to be able to go provide that service to them is gratifying. Um, we had another client who had a piano in their house that they needed get, get to get rid of in order to sell it. And we, we took care of that for them. So just mm -hmm. going above and beyond to really to be there for people who need our help. April, I'll tell I you what, Mike, Mike has a truck. And that truck has been utilized more than <laughs> for client service. True. That, tr that truck is properly used, man. <laughs> but you know what I think is amazing about this is I think some people get this idea that you get successful and and you're not you're you're above doing those sort of things. You're above going and meeting with somebody about putting an elevator in the house because you have so many more important things to do. And so I think it's incredible that you stay that personable to your clients and that you care that much about them and that you will take the time to do that. And no doubt that had to do a lot with the success that you have and just not getting as, you know, they'd say back where I'm from, you just don't get too big for your britches. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So tell me, you talked about your team always learning and growing. So are there any particular books that you're reading right now or you've read in the past that you feel like was just you would recommend any agent read or podcasts that you listen to? I mean, other than I know, you know, eventually word gets out. Real Estate Masters is going to be one of everyone's favorites. But beyond that, uh, do you have anything you'd want to share? Sure. Sure. I can tell you right now, we're, we're just starting The Richest Man in Babylon, which is Getting Back to Basics. You know, this is the book recommended by every personal finance or investor person out there. I think it was written in 1926 or something like that. But our team is constantly reading a book. In our weekly meetings, we're having a mastermind about what we've read in the previous week. So that's the one that we're just starting right now. Awesome. Anyone you've read in the past that you just feel like is a must 
Yeah, well, the MREA is the Millionaire Real Estate Agent is, is kind of the Bible for us. So, so that's the one that we read about once a year. We read Never Split the Difference a couple months ago. And it was that funny. Was fantastic. And, yeah, yeah. Immediately as we were reading it, our agents were implementing and t- those ideas in their transactions. And they were helping their clients immediately. Better negotiation components. So we felt that was a strong one. Also for myself. And what was that one again, Fayaz? Never Split the difference never split the difference wow what's a takeaway from that i just i just have to know out of curiosity so it's written by chris voss who's a previous cia negotiator hostage negotiator so it's just some of the things that he used to get through negotiations to get hostages freed so what was the one that that pete used fast well also profit first has been really important to us uh, oh, yeah. That's obviously uh, one of the hot hot labels, um, and we have definitely tried to uh, set a stronger foundation for the business through Profit First. I would definitely uh, suggest that to everyone. For myself, yep. night, uh, especially when you're going, I mean, it would be great if you could implement those ideas before a shift. But hey, best time is uh, is today, right? So that's always been a great one for us, and trying to take that forty percent profitability immediately off the top and protecting your business and protecting yourself. Absolutely. That's sitting on my shelf right now, I can tell you. And, and I've wrote the other one, some of the other ones down that I will be looking into. Interesting. Any particular favorite podcast? I do like Gary Keller's Think Like CEO. That's, I just like to hear what his vision is. I mean, this is the company that we're involved in, obviously on a, on a day-to-day. So I kind of want to see where the future potentially lies, not only with our company, but what his thoughts are as a uh, as an industry leader like uh, business wars is really cool yeah, yeah business wars are really good that one's fun have you, have you listened to that i haven't no um but i love listening to podcasts so you know so business wars talks about for instance netflix versus blockbuster yeah and just and just how they went at each other and and how netflix came out on top and some of the decisions that were made in there or like the biggest sneaker companies and and just how they compete and what advantages one have over the other another great mm-hmm. one is uh, how i built this Oh, yes. I've heard of that one. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I love it. Love that. My wife and I were listening to Business Wars just this weekend while we're, you know, cleaning around the house or cooking or whatever. And the episode uh, we were listening to was Walmart versus Amazon. My wife works in marketing and uh, with a a company here. It's a large paper company here. Uh, And she was just trying to get a different perspective of what the future of retail looks like. And so I'm coming from a real estate perspective. She's coming from a totally different perspective, but yet the Mm. foundation of what the message is was very much the same. And so we as a couple listen, we're listening to this so that we could help each other. It it would help in our individual industries and our businesses. And then we would just break down some of these things like, Hey, is Jeff Bezos, like what kind of person is he? he, She and I have different Mm. perspectives, but it just gets the conversation going. It's pretty cool. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. I love to be with people and talk with people that are continually growing and that challenge one another. And so with that said, let me ask you, if you were giving some advice to someone that is, you know, starting out in the business or has been in the business a while, but it's just not going the way they want it to go. What advice would you give them? Mike, you go first. 
Okay. Tim Ferriss says that a person's success can often be measured by the number of times that they're willing to get uncomfortable in life. And for a real estate business, I think the core of it that is preached all the time that not enough people do is just lead generate. Just call your sphere. Make sure that everybody you know knows that you're in real estate. You know, one of the first deals that I ever got was I was heading to an, a, list, a listing appointment and forgot my entire listing package and it was about 45 minutes away. I was halfway there and realized that I didn't have anything with me. So I stopped in a FedEx Express store and printed out another copy of my listing presentation. And when I was cashing out, I said to the person, if there's anybody that you know that's interested in buying a home, selling a home, or building wealth through real estate, here's my card. I'd love to talk to them. And the next day, her boyfriend called me and we went out and bought a home together. So I think, wow. I think just keeping it top of mind all the time, making sure anytime you're exchanging money with somebody that they know what you do for a living and they know that you're good. Mm, yeah, I love that. That's awesome. What do you say, Fayaz? I say keep it simple. I think, you know, they say that real estate is simple, but it's not easy, right? I mean, if everyone did the activities that we were supposed to do, we'd all be successful, but that's not the case. I think we try to overcomplicate our industry and our business. As Mike said, I am an organic lead generator. That is the way I've built my business. That is the way I continue to operate in, in our business right now. I don't know of any other way, to be honest. So I try to keep it really simple. I try to keep it very relational, relationship-based. And the second thing is um, I'm really learning-based. I was the education chair on our leadership council for three years uh, in our market center here in Fort Mill. And I truly believe that the, one of the reasons why I'm successful before Mike and even after our merger was because I just soaked in knowledge. And so as my business continued to grow, I didn't have to learn on the fly. I didn't have to make as many mistakes. So that's two pieces of advice that I would give. Be learning based and keep it simple. Just do the basic things, open houses, make your phone calls, et cetera, you know, have a, have a relationship based uh, business and you will be just fine. And you're, you're providing that service here, right? You're bringing on successful agents who are coming on and telling what they do and how they're successful. None of our ideas are novel. You know, we, we didn't really come up with, <laughs> with any of this. We just listen to people who've done it before and, and we follow that path. So I think if, if the people just listen to what the professionals on your podcast say that they're doing and copy those things, mm-hmm. you know, we have, yeah, a, we have a, we have an R and D department here at Carolina's dream team. That's, rip off and duplicate. And, and I, I think that that's the key. Yeah. I love that. I tell people I am so a copycat. I mean, just like, yeah, I mean, I have no fresh ideas, but let me hear somebody else's and I can, uh, I can twist it and make it look a little different. And yes, I get it. That's great. Yeah. Mike and I come from that military world and we're known for like, hey, why are we trying to reinvent the wheel? Like, what good does it do? There's great ideas. And there's always an agent or a team that's bigger than where you currently are. So and they've been through the pain that you're potentially trying to push through. So why not? Mm. We're also very good about talking to other agents. We shadow people all the time. You know, if you want to be a hundred million dollar team or a hundred million dollar agent, go talk to them and see what they're doing and try to not necessarily recreate, but certainly utilize some of their ideas. 
Absolutely. And that's why, you know, truly, I learned when I listened to those cassette tapes, it was different personalities. I would listen to somebody and I would go, I could never do that. I mean, that sounded so harsh and I could never do that. But then I'd listen to somebody else and I'd go, oh, I could say that exactly the way she just said that, you know, and, and I, it's like you said, you learn from who you can learn from. You know, can you guys share either one of you think of or both of you a time or situation where you just really were discouraged in this business? Because I I think for some people, it's easy to just think it's always been great and wonderful for them. They've only just had success. And (laughs) I love the chuckle, you know, and so to just remind people that that might have that illusion that, you know, we all have our times of discouragement. And, you know, maybe you share an instance and how you kind of got through that and and overcame it. Sure. Go ahead, Mikey. Sorry. I got into new home sales in, in 2008. And like I said, a few weeks after I got into that business is when the market started crashing. So I got into it and was very successful right in the beginning. I had 11 homes under contract. And then the news started coming out about what was happening in the economy. And my 11 homes under contract was soon two homes under contract because mm-hmm. nine of them were investors. It was in the Tampa, Florida market. Nine of them were investors who were planning on putting a new home sale under contract and then flipping it before it closed. And at the time, they were able to make $20,000, $30,000 just by doing that. So it all came crashing down. And I just had to get back to the basics and just just do what I did to help to get that business to begin with. And you know, soon we were back trucking again. But it, it was hard. That was a blow. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I, I think anytime things get hard, we, we just go back to basics. Yeah. I have the t-shirt from that era. So yeah. it's another podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's funny how we both try to jump on the fact that, hey, let's talk about our difficulties, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> Mike's was a witness to mine because, again, he saw me get started. I started in June 2015. By the time December ended in 2015, six months later, I had done two transactions and one of those was my own personal house. (laughs) You know, I literally had done nothing in six months in terms of transactions and units and gross commission. But I never got I, I, I and yeah, look, there's there's times of discouragement, right? You, I was doing all the open houses. I was coming into the office literally every day. You know, I was talking to mega agents like Mike and, and just continuing to try to lead generate and nothing was really happening. And but I never really thought that I would fail. I don't know. My mindset is just that way. I just have a very positive, optimistic mindset. I never thought that I was going to fail. That never entered my mind. I just kept doing the activity. And then by the time January, February came around of the next year, I still kept doing the same activities. And then the lead started coming and it was one after another, after another, after another. And then the next six months, I'd already done three to $4 million in, in uh, volume. So, wow. so, you know, on the other side of, of failure is success, right? I could have just stopped yeah. it. I could have just stopped and said, I give up, but I just kept trusting in the process and what people like Mike were telling me to do and uh, push through that. And here we are five years later. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I have the mindset of just, you know, when I'm discouraged and things aren't going the way I want them to go, it's like, well, am I doing everything I know to do? Is there something else I can do? You know, what else can I do? And uh, you just, you got to keep moving forward. And when I was in real estate back in the day, it was, uh, okay, I know there's some FISBOs out there. I can get on the phone and and I'd get busy. So I get it. I think you guys are awesome. Um, What does the future look like for the Dream Team? Amazing. 
<laughs> and that, joking, all joking aside, we, we are so optimistic about the future. Right now, uh, during COVID, we're having record month after record month. You know, this year we had a pretty lofty goal. Uh, we were trying to close 250 units and, uh, you know, around $80 million in volume. And we are certainly uh, well on our way there. Uh, we're probably going to close over, well, I'd say we'd be very close to our unit goal and we're going to be very close to our uh, volume goal as well. And we're going to continue to hire and att- attract and hire amazing talent to join our family. Mm. I feel like we, we, we haven't said enough about how important our teammates are to our success. And for me, that's the most exciting thing about our future is just being able to build a business and under our umbrella, have other people be able to accomplish their goals. So we have several team members that are the breadwinners for their family, you know, and, and just to be able to provide that opportunity to so many people is really, really gratifying. We have, we have, you know, my best friends are, are the people on our team and, mm. and I'm excited about the opportunity to, to provide that to more people to, 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 you know, to spread our sphere out a little bit and, and get more of those good people fighting the good fight and taking care of people and, and changing the world in, in our own little small way. So it's, mm-hmm. it's really exciting. Would you say anything to somebody that is thinking about, you know, they're a solo agent and they're thinking about getting a partner or building a team? I mean, is there anything specifically advice that you would give them to consider or how to make that make that move? Yeah, I'd say make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons. You don't want to just grow for growth's sake. In in our case, I had gotten to that level of selling 50 homes a year for 15 million or so, and I didn't know how to go further. I didn't have the vision for how to grow it into something bigger. So for me, teaming up with somebody like Fayaz gave me that opportunity. So, mm. and I think that we oftentimes see people building teams that don't really have a vision for how they're going to get there or even why they're doing it. I think that sometimes people build a team just because they think that that's what you're supposed to do. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you're making more money. You know, in my case, it, it gives me the opportunity to focus on the things that I love doing and let somebody else who's fantastic at the things I don't lo- like doing do those. Mm-hmm. So those are, the, those, those are the right reason. But just to sell more houses or make more money, it's I think people who try to do it that way are misguided. So the bottom line was you could be better. I mean, you'd be better what you were doing. Absolutely. Yeah. Fayaz? Um, For me, it's, uh, you know, it's real basic. Like I'm going to go more of the practical route because I love what Mike just said here. Again, his uh, his yin to his yang. Right. Um, So I think a lot of people partner because they're like, oh, this is my friend or this is my family. Right. And I think I would advise him to be a little bit more cynical towards that. Mike and I did a personality assessment of each other to see the compatibility component of it. So that's a practical step. Mike and I were very clear about having a legal operating agreement, which talked about the money and very uncomfortable conversations up front. We, Mike and I sat down with accountants, looked at the tax implications of what we were trying to do and what the future held. Again, another practical step. Mike and I talked to our brokerage leadership and we talked to uh, not only them, but we went even above. We went to our regional leadership, uh, sat down with them and, and talked to them about our plans and garnered advice from that. And also we went out through outside of our area and talked to other 
potential partnerships or people who are. And so if you're an agent, let's say you're trying to build a partnership. Okay. You could do that. Let's say you're trying to build a team. You could do the same thing, right? You could go talk to people. If you're a $10 million producer and you want to be a $50 million producer, go start talking to some $50 million producers and see how they did that. And then start implementing practical steps within your strategy. So those are a couple of pieces of advice that I would do. So I think when we approached our brokerage about it, they actually said the response was, you guys are more well prepared to take the next step than anyone else who's ever approached us about it before, because it's partnerships can be very, very difficult. Yeah. I was, I was just going to say, we went and got all of that advice, right? So we talked to a bunch of different people and just about everyone advised us not to form a partnership. Just about everyone said partnerships don't work in real estate. The numbers don't work. It's not a good idea. Don't do it. And then we did it anyway. So get all of that advice. Ask people who have mm-hmm. been there been there before and then make your own decision. Yeah. I love that. That's perfect. So one of the first questions I asked you guys, but then we got sidetracked and didn't answer it. What do you do for fun? I've got a mess of kids. So so most of my activities are centered around going to cheerleading or gymnastics or track. Or we also like to head up to the mountains and ATV and hike and do things like that. So, So my stuff's all family centered. Awesome. How many kids, Mike? I have six. I have six. I have, six? I have five what? girls and a boy. Oh, gee. I have four girls. So okay. You got me beat. Yeah. Got me beat. Never got that boy, but I have a grandson now. So I'm two grandsons. So I'm good. Oh, wow. That is so fun. I love big families and that's neat. What about you, Fayaz? What do you do for fun? Uh, I'm a travelaholic. I love to travel and I like to take big trips. So international travel is my thing. That's how I was raised. That's how I'll continue to be. So it's myself and my wife and we have a fur baby. And so, and we like to just explore. Uh, so we like to go see regions of the world that uh, haven't been explored by, by us yet and go have fun doing that. So that's, COVID is kind of messing up my world right now, obviously, you know, kind of like in a joking way, obviously it's a serious situation, but we have a trip planned in December and I, for our 10 year anniversary, don't know if that's going to happen. So we'll see. Oh. We're playing it by ear. But, Where are uh, you supposed to go? Let's go to Bali, Indonesia. Oh, wow. Awesome. Yeah. Where's your favorite place you've been? You know, I've lived uh, all around the world. I'm born in Africa. So uh, a big piece of my heart is in Africa. I've traveled most of East and Southern Africa and have studied there too. So I love Africa. There's something there that just happens in me whenever I put my feet there. Oh, wow. I've been to Ghana and I've been to Kenya a lot, but I have not been to South Africa, but, and I I love it as well. So you guys, we have to spend more time together. You guys are so much fun. And I have had so much fun just having this conversation with you guys. I really just want to hang out sometime. I'm going to have to come visit the dream team. You should, you should. You guys set me up though. I do have to say, because I am a leadership coach and one of my favorite things is coaching teams and doing personality assessments. I use the Berkman assessment, which is one of the very, very best, a 50 page assessment of people and how, you know, they thrive and what their stress factors are and how they usually respond in stressful situations. And it's so great coaching teams and watching them realize their strengths and weaknesses and, and how to balance that out well on a good team. So thanks for 
setting me up for that plug there. Hey, that's actually great. I agree with you. Since we've gotten a coach, Mike, one was a last year, mid last year. I mean, it's been a fantastic addition to our business capabilities. Like he's done a phenomenal job. So I I agree. And uh, people should get a coach. Thank you. Appreciate you saying that. Yeah, I believe it. I know it'll come out later, but I've already interviewed uh, Barbara Arredondo out of Dallas, and she said she hired a coach, and in six months, her business doubled her volume. So I definitely believe it. I'm coached myself and absolutely believe in it. So you guys, thanks so much for giving your time, giving back to people. You don't have to do this, and, and I just want you to know I really appreciate it. So thanks for being with me today. This was an absolute blast. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much, April. Yeah, we had a great time. Come visit us in uh, Fort Mill, South Carolina, just outside of Charlotte. Hope you guys have a great time. And hey, happy to do some business with you in the future. Great. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks, April. Talk to you later. Well, it is my hope and desire that you found some value in this interview with some encouragement and ideas that maybe you can implement into your business. Again, I thank Mike and Fayaz. Please help us by sharing this podcast with other agents as well as subscribing If you have a referral in the Charlotte area, keep Mike and Fayaz in mind. I know they would appreciate it and maybe even connect with them and let them know that you appreciate them giving their time and sharing the tools that they did in the interview. On the next episode, you will hear from Barbara Arredondo. She's from Dallas, Texas. And Barbara shares some great ideas of ways for someone to really grow their business. I love some of the ideas that she shares for people that are just starting out. Um, Here's a little sample of that interview that's coming up. I say that, you know, to the younger agents, and I'm not meaning younger in age, just younger in experience. So just don't look at anybody else's numbers. Do your best. and. That's what really matters, doing the best for your clients. And when that happens, your business will do what it needs to do for you. Just, you know, keep that momentum and, and keep keep work trying to work to convert your leads and to meet new people. And if you truly want to grow your business, may I encourage you to consider having a coach. I would be happy to talk with you about what coaching looks like and what value that you may find in that. I would also love for you to join one of my mastermind groups. Um, My Realtor Mastermind groups meet monthly for 90 minutes through Zoom. I limit these groups to 12 and there are no competitors in the same group and only one person, a limit of one person that's new to the business. So these groups are highly valuable. You can find out more about my coaching, my mastermind groups and team building programs on my website, coachingaprilmack.com. But I beg of you, please subscribe, share with other agents and give us your feedback. We would also love for you to recommend any agent that you'd love to hear from on the podcast. We appreciate your support. So until next time, remember the golden rule that comes from scripture, do unto others as you would have done unto you. I'm April Mack. Be blessed.